Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Hello, everyone. This is DJ Boyer of DraftSite.com with another podcast before the start of the college football season. Well, a couple games have already been underway, but today, Saturday, as we start September, we have to kick off for the main, the first Saturday for college football season. We're going to be time to get a good podcast in for everyone. Hope everyone's been uh, keeping track on the site. Many new things are happening. One, we already have, uh, we're up to mock draft 4.0 already, and we're already four rounds deep. Next things we'll have on the horizon, mock draft 5.0, we'll have a fifth round added. Mock draft 6.0. Round added, and you guessed it. What mock draft 7.0 will bring a full seven-round mock draft. Beyond that, I guess in uh, mock eight, I think we will add the 32 compensatory picks. That'll kind of keep it fresh and interesting as we add some new content with each and every version. And then you know later in the year we'll slide those compensatory picks in where they should be uh, originally slotted at the end of the season. That'll at least give us the uh, correct number of picks for the 2019 draft. Of course, we do have our uh, Heisman file already updated with uh, people to look out for. That's been uh, up there for quite some time, as well as our Pierce 40. And if you were keeping up with that and the release daily of teams from 40 all the way down to one as we went one by one, you did see that, uh, first off, our first 40 poll comes out about a month, maybe even longer, for the people. And we were, we were pretty accurate. Uh, our top five was actually, actually had all the same teams, just in a different order. Uh, first 40 here started with Ohio State at five, which is the same as the AP. Three and four and one and two were just transversed. Uh, the AP listed Wisconsin at four, Georgia at three, which we had in switched. We had Georgia at four, Wisconsin at three. And AP starts with Clemson at two, Alabama at one, which we had also transverse. We had Alabama at number two with Clemson garnering our number one spot heading into the season. So, again, a very uh, good poll if you're looking for uh, how we kind of placed nationally. I should say have a national poll looks against us because, again, we were out about a month and a half ahead of the AP poll. Jumping into a couple of things, just looking at matchups for the first weekend, maybe uh, things to look out for. We'll start at the top. Clemson. Well, we're going we're gonna to have Furman. So the big thing here to look out for is how much time we're actually going to see Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. As you know, uh, Kelly Bryant will be a senior. He has been named the official starter. Well, Trevor Lawrence comes in, six foot six frame quarterback that can move, five star recruit. I believe was the number two quarterback in the entire uh, class. Actually, true freshman, not going to redshirt. But uh, I suspect we will see him uh, for a good amount during the Furman game. I believe Clemson will get out to a big lead, and I think uh, we, we might even see Trevor Lawrence maybe for the entire second half if things go as expected and that Clemson defensive line sets the tone early on in that game. A night game, we're going to have Alabama. 
our number two team facing off against Louisville in one of these, quote, neutral site games. And the quarterback uh, question is all the rage here as well. It's going to be Tagliavoa. It's going to be Jalen Hurts. We know what happened in the, the championship game. And it's kind of amazing to see that Hanks uh, is actually already being picked by some polls and some prognosticators as the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. And he really is yet to be named the starting quarterback. There really has been no official starter coming out of uh, Tuscaloosa. If you look at the official depth chart, we've got co-starters at, or at, at number one. Hertz and Tags are actually listed both as, uh, as, as the co-starters. So I, I think we'll see a, a good combination, maybe at least for the, the first two or three games. They're going to open up against Old Miss. It's going to be the first conference game. I think at that point, uh, Alabama wants to have the quarterback situation a little more settled. Not to say as we can't still see a two-quarterback system, but I think at that point it will be more of a maybe 75 or 80-20 mix by kind of a 50-50, which is, I think, what we're going to get in these early contests. Uh, Wisconsin prepared business last night. They're already 1-0, our number three team. They defeated Western Kentucky 34-3. Now, everyone knows about Jonathan Taylor. He's a guy that we were very high on, was on our Heisman watch early in the season last year. Uh, being a freshman, and he's another guy who, again, is going to be uh, one of these odds-on favorites uh, to get to New York or possibly have a chance at the Heisman Trophy, and why not? You're talking about the best offensive line at the NCAA level. Three, three All-Americans in front of him on the line. 60% of the first-team All-Americans are in front of you when you're a running back. And that, that's just got to be – that's just a dream scenario. For me, I, I hate to keep going back to the quarterback position, but this is another team where it's really going to come down to quarterback play. First of all, staying healthy because Wisconsin is – Really, really talented. Not sure they quite have the depth that maybe they had in years past, but uh, those players that are going to see the field, they're going to mix them in and out. Seeding core is a little bit embattled, so we got to see what happens there. But Alex Hornibrook, uh, junior out of the Westchester, uh, Philadelphia area, I think it's going to be a big year. Just how accurate is he going to be? He's got all the talent. He's just got to take it to the next level. And really finding targets that he can trust. We have Quintez uh, Cephas there, who's actually already been suspended uh, due to a pending sexual assault case, I think. Sounds and could be very serious. So it remains to be seen whether he's going to see the field this year. And that probably was the favorite target or the biggest returning target. So we move on to number four of Georgia Bulldogs, of course, Runners-up, national runners-up last year, came very close. They're going to get Austin Pay out of the, the gate, so not a whole lot that we have to worry about in the uh, in the first week. You know, I think it really comes down a little more to uh, Sonny Michelle and Nick Tubber both moved on. Uh, DeAndre Swift could end up being a better prospect than both, and that sounds amazingly scary to say. Uh, because, uh, you had two players right there that I mentioned were gone by the second day of the draft. Big thing here is really the depth of the running back position. You have Elijah Holyfield, who sometimes is kind of more of a fullback, each backish kind of guy. Good change of pace, can touch the ball. Um, 
Zamir White was actually another big recruit. Uh, was supposed to have a lot of time in that Georgia backfield. He ended up tearing his knee pretty seriously. Um, going to have to red shirt this year. So I think it's really going to be far more into the shoulders of DeAndre Swift. And again, that was a very, very good defense last year. And you're talking about a defense that's going to have to replace uh, seven starters from last year's championship squad. So big questions there, of course. Now, Ohio State. And uh, I think you'd have to be living under a rock, or you don't even have, you can just be a casual fan to know what was going on there. And suspension of Urban Meyer, Coach Urban Meyer for the first three games. What's going to happen with this offense and defense? There are a number of places where they're going to actually have to go in and, and replace some talent from last year. A lot of underclassmen that left for last year's draft. But it's Ohio State. Uh, the number of you know recruits that are four and five stars coming in are, is off the charts. But it remains to be seen what's really going to happen uh, from a standpoint for coaching here. I'm a little surprised that we do have a situation where Ryan Day has really been is kind of taking over as the coach before Urban Myers while back at the team. And he had some other uh, people on that staff that have some pro pro experience, especially like Greg Schiano. I think when all this broke, that many thought that Greg Schiano would be an interim coach while things were being sorted out, or potentially even a head coach, as was very, very late into the, the, the season, and it would have been nearly impossible to hire and bring in a new coach at, at kind of 12th hour here. But uh, we'll just have to see how things are going to go for Ohio State. It's really going to be tough in the Big Ten. There's four or five teams that legit, legitimately we feel that can win this conference, so it might come a little more down to who's actually going to survive in the Big Ten, like some of those other teams we've mentioned, Alabama and Clemson, things like that. I think they can kind of look ahead a little bit. They've still got to take care of business in their conference. But if you look, Alabama didn't win the FTC last year. It was actually Georgia. Um, the reputation of those teams, I think, maybe you know, gives them a little bit of a leg up. Now, Ohio State, of course, has been in a few of these college football playoffs. They've won a title. In, in recent years, they've got a great reputation at all uh, as well. But with, with Wisconsin, with Penn State, uh, with Michigan, uh, there's just so many teams near the top there that I think that this is this could be the most competitive division at the NCAA level this year. I think it's really going to come down maybe a little more in the Big Ten to focus on winning the conference and your placement within it by kind of looking beyond. We go to number six, Washington, and again, another spot where we match the national polls. The Huskies are number six, just like uh, in AP. They are perhaps in the best game of opening weekend. We have them against number eight, Auburn, number nine, many people. And this is just a tremendous game, and this actually speaks to my last point. Auburn is a team that probably has the toughest non-conference schedule outside the you put the SEC and their non-conference schedule together, Auburn made the toughest schedule in the entire NCAA level this year. So Auburn is a team that, with two losses, I think, can really still make a case because their schedule is going to be so strong. I think that Washington needs this game a lot more than 
Auburn, and this is going to be another one of those neutral site games. So I think Washington kind of finds a way to get this done. I think they, they get the W here because the Pac-12 does not have the same clout, obviously, as the SEC, and things are, are very murky in the Pac-12, but there you could have a division champion that doesn't qualify for the top four. So I think if Washington stumbles out of the gate, maybe runs the table, a loss to Auburn is really going to hurt them more than maybe uh, Auburn if they say that we, oh, we have a loss against Washington. I think this, this hurts Washington a lot more, and I think Washington needs this in a lot more than what Auburn does. Speaking of teams that need games, number seven in our poll is the Miami Hurricanes. 10-0 and last year before losing their final three, dropping to 10-3. They get LSU, number 20 in our poll, out of the gate. Now, LSU, not as strong as in years past, but again, you've always got to come prepared for LSU. The talent level there is always going to be big. But they seem to have fiddled around and retooled that offense year in and year out. Uh, there's there's a, quite a number of people on defense. Uh, there's there's only five returning starters. At uh, the back of the defense in the secondary is always something that is kind of where they're losing prospects left and right, and this year could be no different. Reedy Williams uh, really is the I would say the top draft eligible sophomore that is that is going to be available at the NCAA level, and could see himself. We have him battling DeAndre Baker of Georgia, who we've already talked about, as possibly the top cornerback in this draft, should he declare. Uh, Baker is a junior. Again, uh, Greedy Williams is a sophomore and the top sophomore, we feel, at this time, if he does declare. But LSU really needs this game. I think they need this more than Miami. Miami needs it because they have a three-game losing streak. They've had three losses in a row that's kind of carried over into this season. You look at uh, a team like uh, LSU, if they drop this game, I mean, you've got Auburn on the horizon. Maybe Auburn's already got a loss. Uh, talking about that Washington game, and that game is at Auburn in week, in week three. You've got Florida. You've got Georgia and Ole Miss right there. And once you get past the halfway point, you've got Mississippi State, Alabama. I mean, this is a brutal schedule. So LSU could be one of those teams that maybe we see at 500, maybe like 4-4 four and four by week eight. You could still possibly be ranked or just on the outside just because, again, a very, very tough schedule. And playing Miami, uh, this is actually going to be in New Orleans is the potential site for this game. That, that's a tough contest. Number eight, we have Auburn again. We've already talked about uh, Auburn. Number nine, another intriguing matchup, the Oklahoma Sooners. Tyler Murray is going to have to take over at quarterback for the departed Heisman Trophy winner and top pick in the NFL draft, Baker Mayfield. Florida Atlantic, I'm at number 18 in our poll. I, I don't think they were ranked in 18. We've got them in there. Of course, we saw them run the table, the lane train coming into uh, Norman, and what they were able to do with that prolific offense and a great running back in Devin Singletary, who seems to find the end zone with about every second or third carry he has. I think he found the end zone 33 times last year. Oklahoma should win this game. It's really going to be interesting. Murray, who's a two-sport two star, probably a better better uh, baseball prospect than football. But just the athleticism, Oklahoma should be in good shape. And Florida Atlantic, this is a team that, that maybe makes a push. I think here if they lose this game but they cover the spread, they're respectable. 
they're in this game, maybe in the fourth quarter, they're still in striking distance. This goes a long way. If Florida Atlantic kind of ends up like last season where they've got the over 10 wins, maybe they're knocking on the door as being that ECS team that can, or, or that power, being that uh, school from outside the power five that actually gets to ECS first. If Florida Atlantic is one of those teams and you look and say, well, you know, they dropped a couple of games. One, but one was against Oklahoma and they were very, very competitive. I think that's going to go a long way uh, toward voters' minds and possibly getting in that BCS uh, bowl. And also, you know, Devin Singletary is kind of a dark horse, but if he has a big game here, if that momentum keeps up, I mean, maybe we start to talk about him for the Heisman. Uh, I'm not saying by any stretch that I think he's going to win the Heisman, but we've got him in the top ten. We've got him in the watch list. And if he shows well against Oklahoma, uh, one, it's, it's going to help his campaign and possibly see him uh, declared for the NFL draft as well. We actually have him currently as a second-round prospect. He is a junior. He would have to declare. Number 10, Virginia Tech. Now, this is a very intriguing matchup again in week one as they get Florida State. One, you're talking about Willie Tiger now taking over. Jimbo Fisher has moved on to Texas A&M. Florida State, DeAndre Francois is back as the starting quarterback. They lost him early in the season to an injury last year. The Hokies have been they've been knocking on the door. They've been putting up big big numbers, uh, nine and ten wins. Um, once Frank Beaton has left, but again, I don't think they're they're really kind of at that respect level that the, the Virginia Tech teams of maybe ten to fifteen years ago were were at. And they're going to have to start on the road playing at Florida State. So this is a big ACC contest right out of the gate. And I think everyone right now has the feeling like, okay, who's going to be second? Who's Who's it's Clemson, and then who's it going to be? And many are penciling Miami in as that second team. But if there's a team outside of Miami that has a chance to wrestle that kind of bridesmaid label away, or maybe even pull a stunner if Clemson stumbles, uh, the team that could take advantage looks to be Virginia Tech. And a big win against Florida State, who you know with a new head coach, uh, they're going to come out. Find you're ready to go. I think this is a game that maybe Florida State wins. Virginia Tech finds a way to kind of keep its footing. Maybe they're a team that they lose that first game. We've seen this happen before where a big team loses that first game and everyone kind of writes them off. And before you know it, they've ripped off six, seven, maybe even eight wins, and all of a sudden they're back in the conversation. That could be Virginia Tech this year. Number 11, we've got Penn State. Now, they're playing Appalachian State, and we're talking about the 11th anniversary, and I know our our uh, the producer here at Draft Night, Joe Delphin, does not want to hear this being a Michigan fan, but uh, it's the 11th anniversary of Appalachian State, Michigan, uh, a game that changed the college landscape. Now, Appalachian State is still a very, very good school. They're going to be competitive. They're going to go to a bowl again. Jalen Moore is a legitimate NFL prospect at running back. Uh, I don't think... They get it done against Penn State. I, I think maybe this is close for a half. I see Penn State maybe winning this by about 20. I think I looked at the line. I think it's a 24 right now. But, again, Trace McSorley, I, I think he's going to show that this is his team. It was all about Saquon Barkley, even though for the last two seasons, McSorley's put up some very, very respectable numbers. Probably been the best passer overall in the Big Ten, but was really overshadowed by the amazing athleticism and the prospect that Saquon Barkley was. And rightfully so to a degree. 
But I think Trace McSorley is now ready to show that, hey, this Penn State team is more than just Saquon Barkley. And they've got a, a very capable running back and system there. Good, uh, good core that's returning a much improved offensive line. And I think that's really going to be the key for Penn State. If Trace McSorley is going to have this big year, if he makes his push for the Heisman Trophy, it's going to have to come with an improved offensive line. That's an offensive line that really struggled mightily at times and just showed amazing bouts of inconsistency. I don't think there was a team that was in the top ten last year that had a worse offensive line than Penn State. There was just there were a couple injuries, but at the same time, just amazing inconsistency. Now, they do have a very good prospect in Connor McGovern, who has been the center and is going to move to a guard position right now to start the year. But he's going to be a little interchangeable. We're going to see him at those spots. And he's a fringe first-round prospect if he comes out this year. And he is a junior. Currently have him as the number two center on the board. But, again, he could be a guard. He's got the size to play both positions. Number 12, a team that I feel um, many are sleeping on and could be Maybe this year's surprise team, and it all, again, goes back to the quarterback and the health of Justin Herbert. Uh, this could be the first quarterback off the board if he does declare. And, again, he showed you everything you needed to know last year at Oregon. Just a, a, a tremendous talent. The, the numbers for Oregon with him and without him are, are just staggering. Now, they will get Bowling Green to open up. It's going to be kind of like a, a dress rehearsal. Or Oregon, but again, uh, I think that if we see uh, Herbert actually stay healthy for the year, that the guy could make a Heisman push and could be the first quarterback off the board if he does declare and maybe jumps into a top ten position, maybe even top five. You know, one of those teams that needs a quarterback at the top of next year's draft. Number thirteen on our list was Michigan State. Now they played last night, had a bit of a scare against Utah State. Not uncommon. Michigan State is one of those teams that, uh, under Mike D'Antoni, they, they just seem to be D'Antoni. I'm, I'm, I'm mixing up my uh, coaches now in the NBA. It really just kind of stumbles out of the blocks. It, it takes them a while to get their footing going. They're not a team that's going to blow anyone out of the water. They're not going to hang 50 to 60 each and every week. They're just very deep. They have a, I believe in the, of the big 10 teams. This is a team that I kind of left out at the beginning that maybe I should not have. Uh, they have more returning starters than any of the, the teams that I feel has a shot at the Big Ten. Uh, both sides of the ball. So while they weren't one of the best uh, teams, they, they definitely have uh, the firepower, the depth, and the number of players with experience there. Uh, you look up and down the starting lineup on offense and defense, they have more starts between uh, their starting eleven on both sides of the ball than any other team at the Big Ten level. So experience goes a long way in this conference. Mississippi State at 14. They're going to get Stephen F. Lawson again, another team that I think we're going to see. You can hear a lot from as, as maybe one of those second-tier teams in the SEC to make the push. Stanford, number 15, they took care of business against uh, San Diego State, who we had at number 37 to start the year. That's a 31-10 game, a little closer than I think the score would indicate, especially when you think about last season. San Diego State actually defeated Stanford, and that's a swarming defense. It's an undersized defense that really utilizes speed, and they held Bryce Love under 30 yards rushing last night. 
the stacking the box really kind of worked against uh, Love. DJ Costello really had to look downfield and, uh, you know, made a lot of uh, big plays. But that, that game kind of hung on the balance for a little bit there. And I think many of the astute college football fans remembered last year. So you knew that this was not kind of a gimme game. It was a game that Stanford should have won. They were expected to win. But, again, uh, it wasn't uh, – they weren't playing inferior talent. It was, it was a, that's a pretty good litmus test, I think, as a coach. That's the kind of game that I want out of the gate. Maybe not playing another bow that's kind of equal or maybe ranked higher than you, but it's still kind of a good test from a good conference. Perfect opener for Stanford. And I believe they're going to get uh, their Pac-12 season going very, very soon. Uh, we're going to finish up with the top 20 here and then talk a little bit uh, after that. Uh, Boise State 16, always, always a threat. And this is... This opening game, this is one they can't overlook. Uh, they're going to Troy. Now, remember, Troy, another team that's been, you know, posting double-digit win seasons. They defeated LSU last year. Uh, this is a team that's kind of uh, a mini Boise State, if you really think about it. Uh, but Boise State, again, Brett Griffin's been a four. This is his fourth year as a starter, three and a half years, really. But uh, one of the more seasoned players, a quarterback. I think he gets a sniff at the NFL level. Not really going to be a starter. Late round pick has a chance to stick around, I believe, in a backup capacity. Uh, and, uh, you know, Boise State is a team that's going to make it happen. David Moa, again, uh, another good pass rusher up, up front, I think is going to make some noise. 17, Michigan. Here's another kind of grudge game that uh, is opening the season. You've got the Michigan-Notre Dame Rivalry. We've got Notre Dame at 26, a little bit lower than they have them in the AP poll. But Michigan, Shea Patterson, a quarterback, another guy who I think has a shot at being the top quarterback off the board uh, next in the coming draft. Got the immediate eligibility transfers to Michigan. And Michigan's loaded. That could be the best defensive team overall. Everyone talks about the line at Clemson, and rightfully so. You could see the four starters on that defensive line all go in the first round. It's ridiculous the amount of talent that is there. Michigan overall, Devin Bush, I think, is one player that does not get enough publicity. This is a, a just an absolute stud. Has a shot at being the defensive player of the year. Just really looks to be the guy who can really kind of shut down a side of the field or really change the flow and pace of a game just with his, with his play, uh, with his big hits. Uh, has a high football IQ, really just seems to always have his head in the game, knows what's going on. Uh, this is a guy that I'm a coach. This is a person that I can see kind of quarterbacking that defense that really knows what's going on. You pair him with a, with a guy up front like Rashawn Gary, another immense prospect, top 10 talent that's possible if he does declare a junior defensive lineman. LeBert Hill in the back, I mean, there's – First-round talent all around this defense and, and good players who I think just know their roles. So this could be the best defensive team overall. I put them and Clemson kind of as co-best defensive teams uh, when it comes to the overall flow. Rounding out the top 20 here, uh, because we did talk about Florida Atlantic at 18. We talked about LSU at 20. At least one team left, and that's number 19, USC. Uh, they get UNLV out of the gates. Again, this is going to be the what do we do after San Darnold leaves? And USC, I think, is maybe the team in this top 20 that 
you haven't heard really anything about them. Despite Sam Darnold being that third overall pick, what he's done thus far with the Jets and, and everything looks to be good out of the gate. It looks like he's going to be a starter. Uh, USD still has a, a number of league recruits, but there seems to be a little more buzz about Washington, maybe a little bit more about Bryce Love and Stanford. This seems to be the forgotten team, and, and USC, you know, this is a team that won, uh, won the Pac-12 last year. They're always in the mix. They always seem to have that one big letdown game a year, and maybe they haven't been on that national level that they should, but they're always one of the strongest second-tier teams there is. I don't think they're necessarily a powerhouse this year, but you also can't, you can't just cast them aside and forget about them. So maybe this is a year because there's been so many years where the, the bar is set so high for USC and they fall short of expectations. Maybe this is the year where that bar is set a little bit lower. No one's talking about USC. Maybe they're that team that creeps up on someone. They win the Pac-12. If they do, maybe they, maybe they have a shot. Maybe they have a shot at sneaking in to the college football playoff. I think it's unlikely. But I think they get in a discussion at least if they win the Pac-12. And again, teams are just sleeping on them. Uh, they have a lot of big games at home this year, so I, I also feel that the schedule is a little bit more in their favor as well. So uh, USC not a team to sleep on. But quickly, going to go through the rest of the top 40. We already talked about Florida State 21, 22 West Virginia. There you go. There's a another immense Heisman. Kind of uh, hype surrounding quarterback Will Greer. I don't think he's as good as some of the other quarterbacks, but I think he's got the better supporting cast. He's got a good line in front of him. I think in Gary Jennings and David Sills, you're talking about the best starting wide receiver combo at the NCAA level. So I think the talent is around him. Again, he's just like Justin Herbert. He's got to stay healthy. Uh, you have TCU at 23. Oklahoma State, who's already 1-0. They took care of Missouri State. Uh, and Justice Hill. Great running back, someone you can't sleep on. If Florida, 25. Notre Dame, we talked about playing Michigan there at number 26. South Carolina, that could be your surprise SEC team at number 27. Texas, who, let's see if they lay an egg against Maryland like they did last year, but they're, they're always in the discussion and seem to fall a little short. 29, Missouri. 30, Iowa. 31, Texas A&M. They're also 1-0. They defeated Northwestern State on Friday night. We did Purdue starting the year number 32, and without that, that uh, backup quarterback and throwing three interceptions, they actually dropped a close one to Northwestern. Uh, that, that was a, uh, a 31-27 game. Northwestern was a team that just missed our fierce 40, so we're probably going to see them flip-flop. Northwestern probably gets in. And uh, I, I still think Purdue is a very, very good team, but that, that was kind of a letdown for me. That was one of my sleeper teams heading into the year. Memphis at 33. Georgia Tech at 34. Houston, and of course, the incomparable Ed Oliver, most disruptive defensive player in the nation, has already declared for the draft and looks to be the odds-on favorite to be the number one pick overall. I think for Houston, at number 35, they're facing Lice. UCF, we got them a little bit lower. We got them at 36, but they are recognized as national champs now, uh, sharing that lone, per se, or pedestal with Alabama. They're already 1-0. Defeat UConn 6-17. McKenzie, uh, McKenzie Milton, wow, what a quarterback. Another possible Heisman hopeful here. San Diego State at 37. We talked about the tough loss against Stanford. 
Wake Forest at 38. They they want a nail biter on the road. Had to go to overtime, but they do beat Tulane. So the fact that, that went to overtime a little bit troubling. I thought that you now that would probably be a 10 to 14 point victory for Wake Forest. Iowa State at 39, and Fresno State's going to round it out. So we covered a lot of ground, talked about some of these uh, college uh, teams, games to look out for. By next week, before next week, maybe next weekend, we're going to do the same with the NFL. What's the big news this morning seems to be the Khalil Mack trade. We'll dive into that. I thought that was going to happen. Just thought that was going to drag into the regular season. I didn't see a team pulling the trigger right before the year started. Details are still coming out about that uh, as we speak, but uh, stay tuned to DraftSide. Boy, I'll get this out. DraftSide.com, get the latest on the details of that trade and how it's going to change the landscape of the NFL as we kick off another season. We're going to end this podcast for now. I am DJ Boyer signing off. Plenty to see on the site. Make sure you come back, and we will see everyone next week. Thank you, guys.